We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Patrick Moran here talking Buffalo. Before I get into today's episode, I just wanted to preface this by saying I'm recording this late Monday morning from a hotel room in Florida, nowhere's near the home studio in Buffalo. And I'm just throwing that out there because should anything happen crazy with the Buffalo Bills sometime or the NFL this afternoon or this evening, won't be covered on today's episode. Just didn't want you wondering why the hell I didn't talk about something potentially significant. So anyway, that is why. And on that note, let's get into today's episode. Talking Buffalo. Here we go. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much, as always, for locking in. And well, usually, I'll say the video side, the audio side, but this is an audio-only episode. Um, if you missed it at the beginning, I'm actually not in Buffalo right now. I'm not in the home studio. I am in. Sarasota, Florida. In fact, I'm recording this as we speak in a hotel room, a room with literally nothing up on the walls, nothing really to kind of dampen the sound. So you might hear a little more reverb. Plus, I have a remote mic instead of the studio mic. So it's going to sound a little bit different today. Hopefully not that bad. But anyway, last day here in Florida on Monday, I'll be traveling back home to Buffalo uh, later tonight. Hope everyone had a fun St. Patrick's Day weekend. I certainly did down here in Florida. It was different. Not quite as uh, rowdy. I mean, St. Patrick's Day isn't religious like it is up in Buffalo. But anyway, I had fun nonetheless. Been here since last Wednesday. It was a nice little break. A uh, good chance to just get away and uh, kind of recharge the batteries a little bit. Um, did not have an episode last Friday. Hopefully you noticed. I, I did get some messages, so at least some of you did. Um, We will be back Friday episodes, resuming again this week, taping those live Thursday nights from Imperial, our live from Imperial series. I'll be back with uh, Matt Perino, Buffalo Bills beat reporter. He'll be joining me live from Imperial this Thursday night. Also, typically when you wake up on Tuesday morning and you catch this podcast, I'm chatting with 
Joe Yurden. But again, being down here in Florida, just a lot of things going on. Couldn't connect with Joe, didn't have an opportunity, but Joe will be back uh, next week. We'll have a lot to catch up with on the Buffalo Sabres, who unfortunately have uh, ultimately fallen apart down the stretch. A really embarrassing 7-0 loss to Boston on Sunday. Uh, the Sabres have won just one of their last eight games, two of their last 11 down the stretch. So not the best ending for the Buffalo Sabres, but still, it's been a fun season and a lot to look forward to. And I look forward to talking with Joe Yurden again next week. This is going to be a solo episode and is not going to be a long one. I just wanted to make sure I had something in your podcast feed. Plus, I haven't been behind this microphone in a while, so I've been kind of itching to talk to you guys uh, today. I'm just going to offer my opinions on what the Buffalo Bills have done so far in free agency. We'll go through a handful of the moves that they've made. Haven't been a lot, at least not to this point. Again, as we record this late Monday morning, um, I have three, my three biggest Buffalo Bills related takeaways from free agency so far. And then I'm going to end this with a little bit of a sales pitch where I Brandon being to Odell Beckham Jr., who I think the Bills desperately could use to really bolster and uh, solidify their offense. I think there's a path to him coming here. And again, where I Brandon being. This would be my sales pitch. So I'm going to get through all that today. Not going to waste much time here uh, bullshitting around at the beginning. Appreciate you guys' time. And like I said, the audio sounds a little bit wonky today, a little bit reverbish. Uh, please forgive me. Recording this with nothing in front of me here in a, in a Florida hotel room. Anyway, let's get to the news with the Buffalo Bills over the last week or so. Uh, to me, the big gain without question and a very big surprise, Jordan Hoyer, Resigning a two-year deal, and this was shocking to me. A two-year deal, twelve point five million of that seven million guaranteed. Uh, there's other incentives um, put into his contract. He could pump it up to about fourteen and a half million. But uh, look, pretty cut and dry here, folks. The market was not strong for safeties outside of Jesse Bates. He got a monster deal in Atlanta, four years, forty-four million, something like that. But in Jordan's case. Not much of a market at all. Um, and I will say, and I did hear that Jordan Boyer had a couple of other offers, but they were only one-year deals and not for good money. From what I understand, the Buffalo offer actually financially was also the best, which again, a little bit surprising. Uh, the off-field stuff when it comes to Jordan Boyer has been dominating over the last couple of weeks because of... Jordan Boyer's comments on his own podcast a couple weeks ago talking about sunshine in New York State and taxes, taking half his money. And then, of course, especially because of his wife, Rachel Bush, who's, without getting too much into it, you know, has just tweeted plenty. A lot of flirtation going on with fans from, from other teams who are kind of pitching them on social media to join their squad. Just a, uh, I don't know, not a fun time. For, 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 well, maybe it was a fun time for Jordan Poirier, although it doesn't seem like it, man. It seems like it was a really stressful time. In fact, he alluded to that. But uh, being completely honest with you, I thought Poirier was gone. Thought there was no chance he was coming back. I thought he would have gotten more money somewhere else. And um, I'm really surprised, pleasantly surprised that things played out the way it did. And look, the off field stuff, Poirier's comments, um, tweets from his wife, stuff like that, that's just all going to fade away, man. Come July. It's going to be all about football and nothing else. 
And Jordan Boyer being back is an absolute huge win for the Buffalo Bills. Jordan Boyer and Micah Hyde, if they aren't the best safety duo in the NFL, they are absolutely right there in the conversation among the best. So from a football and from a production standpoint, provided, of course, that he's healthy, uh, Jordan Poyer returning to the Buffalo Bills, that is a, a home run for head coach Sean McDermott. And look, there's no guarantee that he's going to be the same player. He is 31 years old. I think it's fair to say, and maybe even Jordan would admit it as well, that maybe his best days might be behind him, but it doesn't mean he still doesn't have some very good football left in him. And the injuries last year, you just got to hope, you know, everything that happened was kind of like an anomaly, just one of those years, because it's not like Jordan Poyer has this long history of significant injuries with the Buffalo Bills. And even despite the injuries, let's not forget, man, 2022, Jordan Poyer was a warrior. And let's go all the way back to training camp. He didn't have a contract, or he wasn't happy about a contract. He wanted a new contract, I should say. He did have a contract. He still had a year left. But I would have expected he was going to hold out. I feared it all last offseason. I said, Poyer's going to come to camp. Not happy. He hires Drew Rosenhaus as an agent. Doesn't have a contract. This dude might hold out, and it might become a distraction. Well, guess what, folks? It was not. Jordan Poyer did not hold out for a contract. He ended up getting a raise for last year. But he didn't hold out. It wasn't a distraction, despite the fact he wanted and, quite frankly, deserved a new contract. Throughout the season, banged up all year, ended up getting hurt like six times or some shit like that. He could have shut it down easily, real easily. The guy's in the last year of his contract, not happy that he didn't get an extension, hurt often. He could have just shut it down, waited for free agency, saw what was out there. Not taking a chance on getting hurt worse, but he didn't do that. Didn't do that, folks. Nope. And the team was really good with him. Undeniable. 13-1 and when Jordan Boyer played. I think they were 1-3 and when he did. That matters. And also, let's not forget, again, maybe his very best days might be behind him, but maybe not. I mean, look, the guy's 31 years old, but he's only about a year or so away removed from being a first-team All-Pro. Jordan Boyer is a great player. He's a leader. Him and Micah Hyde really solidify the safety position, which again is so important in a Sean McDermott defense. And make no mistake about it, this is Sean McDermott's defense. To an extent, it was even when Leslie Frazier was here, but now more than ever, this is really Sean McDermott's defense. So this is a big W for the Bills. Most of you, including myself, marked him for being gone. So if you look at it that way, the fact that we were already thinking about what to do about Jordan Poyer leaving, whether it was trying to sign another safety through free agency, whether it was, is DeMar Hamlin going to be back in 2023? Whether it was, can Christian Benford convert to safety, which I still think is very possible. The Bills start to work him in the safety over the course of this summer. But when you consider all that, this almost feels like a brand new signing only because we thought for sure that Jordan Boyer was gone and he's not. So to me, far and away, that's the biggest Bills W so far over this first week of free agency. 
On the flip side, without question, the big loss, Tremaine Edmonds goes to the Chicago Bears. Four years, $72 million, 50 guaranteed. Um, my take has, is this. Tremaine Edmonds forever will be one of the more polarizing Buffalo Bills players that I can remember. And honestly, as I reflect upon the Tremaine Edmonds era in Buffalo, I thought he was... Uh, I thought he was very overrated his first two seasons. I wasn't a fan at all. Lots of bickering, arguing, whatever you want to call it on social media, especially Twitter, when it comes to Tremaine Edmonds, how he played, and what fans thought of him. And again, put me on the side of thinking that he was overrated early in his career. Then in his third year, I'm like, I thought he was pretty good. Still don't think he was a Pro Bowl caliber player. In fact, literally a Pro Bowl player. That's what he was. Did not feel like he was a Pro Bowl player. But I thought he was pretty good in his third year. And again, this is just one person's opinion. This is my opinion. But this past year, I I thought Tremaine Emmons was like very, very good this past year, 2022. Thought he was excellent. Uh, I, I thought he was way more aggressive the way he played. I felt like he played faster at the line of scrimmage. I don't know exactly what the advanced stats might say, but it felt like he was making a lot more tackles within the first three yards of the line of scrimmage as opposed to six, seven, eight yards down the field, which I felt like that's where he was racking up almost all of his tackles his first two to three years in the league. I thought Tremaine had a few more splashy plays, a a couple impact plays, certainly more. Than years past. But that being said, and I want to be careful here. I'm not going to kick a guy, a dude, uh, a good player. I'm not going to kick him in the ass on his way out the door. But about a week or so ago on a show, in fact, during the Imperial Live series, I had Tyler Dunn with me and we were having a conversation about the Bills. And some of these players, including Tremaine Edmonds. And he brought up a really good point and something that I've really spent some time thinking about since our conversation, something that's resonated with me. And it's this fans, media sometimes, we judge players too much on what they do in the regular season and not enough, good or bad, in the playoffs. It's too much on the regular season, not enough in the playoffs. And to an extent, when it comes to the Buffalo Bills, I can understand that because they went 17 years without even making the playoffs. So we've just been happy to have a contender in Buffalo, a team that's making the playoffs every year, winning a game in the playoffs or whatever. But here was Tyler's point, and one I completely agree with. The bar... And the expectation for the Buffalo Bills, for fans, should be raised at this point. We spend too much time, focus, and effort talking about what they do in the regular season, not enough in the playoffs. And this is the truth with Tremaine Edmonds. And to be fair to him, you can say this about lots of other players on the defense too. In fact, you can say this about every single player who played that Cincinnati Bengals game with the exception of Matt Milano and and maybe Kyrie Elam, to be honest with you. But Jermaine was really good in the regular season, but Jermaine Emmons got absolutely bullied 
and pulverized by Cincinnati in that playoff loss. I mean, it was bad. And he wasn't that good at all in Kansas City the year before in the 13-second loss either. And I, I can't say for sure because I know Brandon Bean wanted Tremaine Edmonds back, but maybe when Brandon Bean was evaluating Tremaine Edmonds and figuring out how much money this team could allocate to him in terms of getting you know a contract, how much he gets paid per year, how much money he's getting up front, what the terms of the contract are, maybe Brandon Bean took a look at the playoffs. Took a look at that Cincinnati game and saw a guy, a middle linebacker, getting bowled over all over the place who made no impact on the game whatsoever, who's getting bullied by a bunch of backup Cincinnati Bengal offensive linemen. And maybe Brandon Bean arrived at, listen, this is why we can't pay this guy this much money. Good regular season player, maybe a great regular season player, played lousy against the Bengals in the playoffs when it matters the most. And again, it's not just him. You can say that about almost every other defender on this team. But that probably factors in. It certainly should. And it's not popular, but it is the truth. It is the truth. And the other thing about Tremaine Edmonds is that, yeah, he was definitely very good for this season. And, and yeah, throughout his career, and then this is in fairness to Tremaine Edmonds, throughout his entire career, even when people like me criticize him probably more than he deserved, he does things that the casual fan they don't appreciate it. You know, film, film people, coaches around the league who praise him endlessly, other players, they see what he does. They appreciate it far more. You know, the speed he plays with, the pass coverage, you know, the passing lanes, that he has ability to, to take away from, et cetera. You know, I don't disagree with any of that. But at the end of the day, if you're going to be one of the highest paid guys on this football team, one of the highest paid linebackers in the entire NFL. You got to make plays, man. You got to make splash plays. You got to make plays that change games. You know, Matt Milano does it. Jermaine Edmonds did not. Sorry, he didn't. Jermaine Edmonds, 74 games with the Bills, just six and a half sacks in 74 games. Six and a half sacks, just five interceptions, just two forced fumbles, and not a single fumble recovery. And his entire career with the Buffalo Bills. Not one. So it's like, where are the impact plays? I know a lot of things that you do well. Again, the speed, the passing game, the, the pursuit. Not other line, middle linebackers, not many could do what he did. But we need $18 million a year, man. $50 million guaranteed. You got to make splash, game-changing, impactful plays. And I just don't think he did it enough. Now, again, not kicking the guy. He's a good player. And I do think he's still ascending into the prime of his career right now. You know, Chicago is getting themselves a hell of a ball player, man. They really are. And I think Tremaine Edmonds is going to do some really good things for them. I have no doubt. But at the end of the day, to me, he just wasn't worth $18 million per year to the Bills. You know, I said it on Twitter last week. I'm going to reiterate this on the podcast again right now. Between Tremaine Edmonds and Jordan Poyer, if you can only have one back, I said it then, I'm saying it now. Give me back Jordan Poyer. Not because he's better than Tremaine Edmonds, but because Jordan Poyer would be cheaper. Jordan Poyer would have a shorter term. And I think with Jordan Poyer back, you solidify the secondary fully. Potentially, and there's a, you know, a lot needs to happen. But 
Jordan Boyer, fully healthy. Micah Hyde, back healthy. Trey White, back healthy. Kyrie Elam going in the year two, showing a lot of promise at the end of last year. You're looking at one of the best secondaries in the NFL. I think Poyer and Hyde together make this defense better than Edmonds being back. And, you know, somebody way lesser than Jordan Poyer probably ends up manning the safety position if Jordan leaves. Now, this might be the case again with Tremaine Edmonds. I have no idea, earthly idea, what the Bills are going to do at middle linebacker. But regardless, I, I just, I don't know. I, I have no idea how they're going to replace him. You know, Bean said it. At his presser, the replacement may already be on the roster. Mentioning uh, Dodson and Baylor Specter. Um, I think he said Terrell Bernard, too. I honestly can't remember, but don't believe that shit for a second. Is <laughs> very unlikely going to be free agency because there's just not much out there at middle linebacker, but I could definitely see Bean locking in on a trade somewhere along the line here. Maybe not even like during the free agency period right now, but. At some point, I could definitely see Brandon Bean finding a trade partner, um, targeting a team for, for, for a guy that maybe no one's thought of or maybe using a high pick on a middle linebacker. Hell, maybe even a first rounder if need be. I could definitely see it happening. Uh, Jack Campbell from Iowa. That's a guy whose name I think is going to come up a lot over these next six weeks, including, in fact, now that I'm thinking about it, tomorrow with Aaron Quinn here on the podcast, we're doing our first of six consecutive weeks of Buffalo Bills mock drafts. This is going to be the third straight year that Aaron's joined me for the show to do that. So that'll be a lot of fun. But anyway, Jack Campbell's going to be a name I think you're going to hear a lot about. I don't know, man. But look, losing Edmonds and not signing anyone to this point as we tape this on Monday, that tells me Brandon Bean has another plan. Middle linebacker is just too important to do nothing about. So I'm sure he will. All right, on that note, let's take a real quick break. Come back. We're going to talk about some new additions to the Bills. Like I said, three biggest takeaways that I have for Buffalo so far with free agency. And then a quick pitch to our guy, Adele Beckham Jr. Be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right, I'm back here talking Buffalo again, recording this on Monday morning, late Monday morning from a very loud and bouncy wall reverb-filled Florida hotel room. But anyway, hopefully it's not a big deal for you guys listening today. Video will be back tomorrow, by the way. I will be back late tonight, taping a show early um, in the morning with Aaron Quinn, our mock draft. So video will be back up for the people who usually watch us now on YouTube. But anyway, a couple moves for the Buffalo Bills as of this recording on Monday to, to hit on real quick. Connor McGovern. McGovern, I'm sorry, offensive guard from Dallas, got three years, $23 million. Um, per sale, Capaccio, he had an $8 million signing bonus, 1.9 base this year, fully uh, guaranteed. Look, this is very likely your, your replacement for Roger Saffold. I know he's a, a versatile guy. He's played both guard positions before, mainly played left guard last year. Certainly sounds like listening to his press conference, listening to Connor himself, sounds like he's... Uh, Going to be slotted to play left guard. Look, I'm not, not too much to say about it. He's almost certainly an upgrade over Roger Saffold. But let's also be a little careful with that. Let's not anoint that so quickly. You know, Joe from Queens pointed out, and very accurately so, that, you know, a year or so ago when the Bills signed Roger Saffold, who was, you know, an old guy, but a, a pro bowler, we automatically assumed that he was going to be a huge upgrade from John Feliciano. And that really wasn't the start, or that wasn't the case, I should say. Not at all. Roger Saffold struggled last year, so it's tough to automatically assume a guy is going to be an upgrade. Uh, 15 starts last year with Dallas. The book on him is he's very strong in pass protection. Uh, pro football focus had him 13th among all guards in the NFL last year in efficiency. Uh, the issue with him is he's been, quite frankly, pretty lousy in run blocking, which feels like pretty much every Buffalo Bills offensive lineman ever during this current regime. So that's not anything new. Uh, he's fine, man. He's fine. He's a versatile guy. He, he's something that Brandon Bean loves. I It would be nice knowing how well I thought Ryan Bates played left guard at the end of 2021. Maybe eventually Connor could play right guard and Bates could go there, back to left guard, where again, where I thought he was better in 2021. I don't know. Like I'm I'm not doing cartwheels and I'm not that enthusiastic about this signing, but it's fine. You know, we're talking about this Bills offensive line. My man Aaron Quinn, his his motto all offseason will be protect Josh Allen. So maybe, you know, again, compared to Roger Stafford, hopefully anyway, this is a, a good start. So that's a move the Bills made. A move, another move that the Bills made that got a lot of uh, lot of reaction to, man. Deontay Harty from the New Orleans Saints. People were freaking out about his contract, but it's really not that bad at all. He's got a $3.7 million cap hit for 2023. 
And if for whatever reason, things don't work out as hoped, Randy Bean can cut him after one year. I think he's got like a 1.7 dead cap hit that he'd carry, but the Bills could save almost $4 million for 2024. So if things didn't work out and they need that money next year, not this year, but the year after, that's an easy out after uh, one year. Look, the kid's got elite speed. He ran a 4.39. 2022 stats, nothing to write home about. 36 catches, 570 yards, three touchdowns. But it's what he does after catching the ball that's most impressive. 6.8 yards per reception, looking at the stats right now. Wow, it's pretty good. After uh, making a catch, which is good for sixth in the entire NFL last year. So the, the kid... Catches the ball and he makes things happen afterwards. Uh, Matt Perino put up a stat that I, I thought really interested me. Gabe Davis and, and Stefan Diggs last year combined for just 274 yards after catch. 274 yak. Deontay Hardy had 246 of that himself. 43% of Hardy's total receiving yards last season came after making the catch. So this is a guy that the Bills could throw short passes to, get him the ball in space, make him uh, or let him have an opportunity to make somebody miss and make a big play. His speed is going to be a welcome addition to this team. He was also 11th in the NFL in yards of separation per route, 3.6 yards. That stats per uh, NFL next-gen stats. Um, I saw initial reaction. A lot of people, you know, sometimes if you don't look at everything fully, you can make the wrong conclusion. A negative stat that surfaced, and this is what I'm talking about, is fumbles. He's had nine of them. That's a lot. But here's the thing. All of them have come on special teams. Five of those nine fumbles have been muff punt catches. And, and again, that's concerning. But you know what? The Bills have Naheem Hines, who I think probably starts the year, certainly returning kickoffs, maybe punts as well. Hardy has zero fumbles for his entire career on offense. He's got 64 catches and 15 rush attempts, so he's yet to fumble. So offensively, that's not an issue at all. The Bills did cut Isaiah McKenzie, which is directly related to this. So as of right now, and I don't think the Bills are done at wide receiver. In fact, more on that at the end of this podcast here in just a couple minutes. But as of right now, you're looking at Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis on the outside. Deontay Hardy can play the slot. He can play some outside as well. He's playing that four role. Um, that's, that's, I think that's what Brandon Bean described. Four, uh, four wide receiver role for the Bills. And then I like Leo Shakir a lot. I've talked about this on the show before. I'm going to talk about it a lot with Aaron Quinn over these next six weeks when we do mock drafts. I think there's a much bigger role that awaits Khalil Shakir in in, uh, season two with the Buffalo Bills. So I don't know if they're done, but I think this is one of those moves that could end up being a a low-key, high-reward move for the Buffalo Bills. I think that this is a kid who can give them what they were hoping Isaiah McKenzie would be able to give them more. So that's another signing. And then one other, again, as we're uh, recording this, Kyle Allen, backup quarterback, one year. Another one of Josh Allen's off-field buddies uh, becomes a teammate. Look, it's obvious that chemistry and friendship means a lot in the Buffalo Bills quarterback room to Josh Allen. And that's not really necessarily an insult at all. 
I think he's a little bit at least of, of on-field downgrade from Case Keenum, and I think he's a big downgrade from Mitch Trubisky a couple years ago. But hey, look, put a good team around Kyle Allen, which the Bills do have a good team, and he can maybe go out there and he can get you a game or two if he has to. But look, the reality is if something major happens to Josh Allen, then that's a wrap for the 2023 Buffalo Bills because 99% of the backups out there, you can say the same thing. Now, personally... I would have liked Marcus Mariota, or I also would have liked Jacoby Brissett. It could have been worse. I mean, they, they could have signed Carson Wentz, and I would have hated that. That would have pissed me off. I don't know, man. I, like I, said, I really don't got a ton to add about a backup quarterback. If it's going to bring, uh, you know, if he's going to bring value off the field, being a, a good buddy to Josh Allen, if he's going to bring value to the quarterback room, the meeting room every week, it's going to help make Josh a better player in any way. Then I'm all for the move. If Josh goes down, they're, they're in a shitload. They're in a world of trouble anyway. So I, I suppose it doesn't really matter who uh, the backup quarterbacks are. Anyway, all right. So I got three, at this point at least anyway, as we record this, my three like biggest Bills takeaways so far is, number one, I think the Bills are relying on health in their own returns more than any splashy new additions. In fact, I think it's obvious right now. I mean, the list is pretty long of guys who they're counting on to, to be the players that we know them to be before injuries. You know, Micah Hyde didn't really play last year. He play, I think he got hurt in week two. He was done for the year. So he really didn't play last year on this team. So you can look at it as him being back. He's an unrestricted free agent uh, upgrade over DeMar Hamlin or, or Dean Marlowe or Jaquan Johnson. Now you got Micah Hyde back. That's a big, big, big boost. Uh, Trey White now has an entire he played last year. Got his feet wet again. Did not look good, quite frankly. I thought, anyway, most of last year got completely scorched against the Bengals. Had his moments, though. But more importantly, for the, for the sake of this season, got his feet going again, his knee going again. Last year. Now he's got, he's working his ass off. Jordan Boyer talked about it. He's got this entire offseason to get back to 100%, where we know when Trey White's 100%, he's one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL. Shelve himself last season, but still young and working hard and getting healthy. You're potentially getting one of the better corners in the entire NFL back at full strength next year. That's a big deal. Of course, Vaughn Miller. Don't know when, and I'm not going to even try to speculate when, but Vaughn Miller will be back. He'll return from his torn ACL. So you look at that defense. Yes, you lose Tremaine. But again, you get Jordan Boyer back, who you did not count on. You get Micah Hyde back, who did not play last year. You get Trey White back, who missed half of last year. It was a shell of himself based on just last year. You're going to get Vaughn Miller back, who was amazing last year before the injury. It's And again, you get Jonah Boyer back, who, you know, he had his moments last year, but all the injuries, that Cincinnati game, he was also a shell of what he's been. These guys, I think the Bills are really relying on health to be more in their favor this year and getting these guys back. And if you get all these guys back going the way they can, I think this defense is going to be perfectly fine, even losing Tremaine Edmonds in free agency. Uh, point two, 
I have no earthly idea. Again, as we record this, what the Bills' plan is at running back. I thought Jamal Williams would have been a great fit for the Bills. But he ended up going to the Saints. Got three years, $12 million, $8 million guaranteed. Not a huge contract. I don't, think, I don't know if the Bills offered that much. I, I would be surprised if he would choose the Saints if the Bills offered him the same amount of money, especially when New Orleans has Alvin Kamara. But anyway, I digress. Um, Madison from Minnesota, that was a guy I liked a lot, but he went back to Minnesota. Uh, James Robinson, a lot to prove. Uh, feels like he's kind of falling off a cliff quickly, but still has uh, ability. I liked him a lot, and he goes to uh, the New England Patriots. Uh, Brandon Bean said at a press conference last week that he wants to add a bigger running back to the mix. Uh, he called Cook in uh, Hines on the light side, which is true. And there's plenty of candidates out there still. The running back market has been slow, and it, quite frankly, it's been pretty cheap. You know, Dante Foreman, by the way, he went to, uh, oh, I'm forgetting, I don't even have notes in front of me. I'm kind of spitballing here. I, th I think he might have went to um, Chicago. Not sure. But anyway, regardless, Foreman was a guy that I really liked a lot. I thought it would have been a great fit for what he brought to the table. But he signed elsewhere. Uh, guys that are still out there as of this recording, Kareem Hunt. A polarizing, we'll just, I, I guess I'm generously call the guy a polarizing figure here. Uh, but a talented guy, man. A guy who's uh, pretty big, too. Zeke Elliott, who I do not have interest in. I think that's just a name. Uh, he looked pretty washed up with Dallas last year. Uh, Leonard Fournette, playoff Lenny, he's out there. Latavius Murray. These are some lesser names, but I think guys that could be a good fit and fill the role that I think Brandon Bean might be looking for. But anyway, Latavius Murray's a guy. Uh, Kenyon Drake's a guy. Mark Ingram. Barry Snell Jr. Daryl Williams. I think these are all guys that could come into Buffalo and, and play a role that bigger back and, and could be a, a good fit, be useful for this organization. Now, of course, Devin Singletary coming back, maybe he's still an option, at least as of this recording. I'm going to be honest. I, it's not an option that I, I want to see come to fruition. And I'd have a hard time believing that he'd want to come back to Buffalo and just play a smaller role. Because I really think at this point, James Cook is going to drive the bus when it comes to the running backs. And I think based on redoing Naheem Hines' deal and with the full offseason for Ken Dorsey to actually figure some shit out, some ways to use him, I think that he's going to have a... Uh, a bigger role with this team as well. So I, I don't know why Devin Singletary would want to come back and take a lesser role. And quite frankly, no disrespect to him. He's all right. He's fine. But I don't know. I don't, I don't need Devin Singletary back. By the way, he Hines, one little uh, quick thing to point out here in Indy, the year before he got traded, 4.9 yards per carry on 56 carries, and he had 40 catches for 310 yards. So if you find a way to utilize this guy better than the Bills did after the trade last year, I think Naheem Hines could be one of those guys who gives you really good production next year that maybe you don't see coming based on what he did with Buffalo uh, last year. But anyway, my, my last thing too is I think Brandon Bean is thinking about the future just as much as he is the present. You know, kicking the can down the road a little bit with Josh and Vaughn Miller and Stephon Diggs redoing those deals gave them some money. But I also think he has his eyes on next year and there's not a look. He has said it, and he's not wrong. There's not a lot of money to spend this free agency. He warned us there was not going to be splashy, big-ticket free agents. And at least to this point, he's definitely held true to that word. 
And I do believe him. I take him at his word. But I also think that he's just a GM that's not going to go all in like the Rams did. You know, he's going to try to make sure this team can remain competitive for years to come. And maybe you, you love that and maybe you don't. But that's clearly, I think, how he builds his team. You know, you look to, to 2024 and you got Ed Oliver and you got Micah Hyde and you got Daquan Jones. These are guys that, as of now anyway, their contracts are going to be up after this season. As things stand right now, I could certainly see Ed Oliver walking and going to get his money elsewhere like Tremaine did, in part because of, you know, and by the way, now that I'm bringing up Ed Oliver, people probably don't want to hear this, but we are getting the draft season. Don't sleep on a defensive tackle coming very early in this draft in anticipation of Ed Oliver leaving. And again, by the way, this week, uh, Aaron and I can start doing our mock series. Again, six weeks we've done the past two years. But anyway, Ed Oliver, I was not a fan of his, and, and Aaron and I have argued about him, and I'm sure we will much more. I think the Bills should not pay him what he's probably going to demand. I mean, we've already heard some rumblings. I think he might have even tweeted something himself and then quickly deleted it after. But anyway, Ed Oliver might not be here long term. Uh, Micah Hyde. Get up there in age, I think he's 30 or 31 years old, last year of his deal. Daquan Jones, ditto. But those are three guys that Brandon Means got to make decisions on, not this year, uh, but, but next year. So, And then you got guys like Gabe Davis and Tim Settle and A.J. Epinesa. These are younger players with a lot to prove. And I think they're going to get that chance. Because I don't think the Bills are going to do much to address like those respective positions. But here's what I'm saying. Long story short, Brandon Bean was never going to go L.A. Rams all-in style. He's not going to mortgage the future at all costs to try to win a Super Bowl this year, obviously in a tough AFC with absolutely uh, no guarantee of anything. So I think in part a lack of having money to spend right now without getting really creative, but also because Brandon Bean is just that GM who's not going to mortgage the future to go all-in in any one uh, specific season. So those are my three biggest takeaways through the first week or so of free agency right now. And I'm going to end it on this note. And this is with um, regarding Adele Beckham Jr. I think, you know, <laughs> I don't want to want him to come to Buffalo as much as I do. There's a lot of things about ODB that are, um, that I just, I don't like him for some reasons. But I love him as a football player. And I think he could be the guy to really push this offense over the top. I know the guy wants to get paid, and he's still out there, and he's still unsigned because he's not getting the money he wants. There were reports out there that he wanted $20 million a year. Odell um, took to Twitter himself and said that that's absolutely not true, but he did say $4 million per year. That ain't it. So he was implying a team offered him a $4 million contract, which, by the way, would be surprised if that was Brandon Bean in the Buffalo Bills. But, man, I just think this guy... If he came to Buffalo, he would just make this offense so much better in so many ways. I think it would be beneficial to Buffalo, and I think it would be beneficial to Adele Beckham Jr. And if I was Brandon Bean, this would be my sales pitch to him right now. And I'm sure he's done this to some extent. I'm just saying my personal sales pitch to Adele would go like this. You come here on a one-year prove-it deal, or maybe you get a, a second year of this contract, you know, that we can make voidable. So you can get more money in 2023 
without it hurting our cap so much for this year. So we can make it work cap-wise and take on some dead money in 2024. So it might show a two-year deal, but in reality, it'll be a one-year deal where you can get more money up front. And then I would bring up the fact that this is Gabe Davis's final year under contract for the Bills. So it's no formality that if you come here to Buffalo, you'd be one and done here with the Bills. It's not a formality because Gabe Davis could walk. We could let Gabe Davis walk, or maybe Gabe Davis wants to walk after this season. If Odell, if you go out there and you produce, there's a very good chance that we're going to want you here long-term. And by we, I'm talking about if I'm Brandon B. We're going to want you here long-term, and we're going to make a strong play for you. So there's that. And if it doesn't work out, then you hit the open market again after a healthy, productive season here in Buffalo, you're going to get paid. You're still young enough. You're going to get a three- or four-year contract for good money. If it's not here, it's going to be somewhere else. And to do that, you need to show production. And you're not going to get, and this would be my biggest selling point, you're not going to get a better opportunity to show the NFL your worth, how good of a player you still are. You're not going to get a better opportunity, I don't think anyway, than by playing with the Buffalo Bills and having Josh Allen as your quarterback. Josh, of course, being one of the best quarterbacks in the world right now in a pass-happy offense. but also. You're playing alongside Stephon Diggs. And because you're playing alongside Stephon Diggs, you're going to see a hell of a lot less double teams than you will just about anywhere else. So that would be my sales pitch to him. I do think the Bills are in on Odell Beckham Jr. I worry that Odell Beckham Jr. somehow, some way, is going to end up with the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, that remains to be seen. And uh, we'll see how it plays out. But anyway, if I'm Brandon Bean, I am very much in on Adele Beckham Jr. And that would be, without question, my biggest selling points. We give you money here up front. Gabe Davis might be gone. There's an opportunity here for you. If you like it here, you play well. That this isn't just a one-and-done deal. You got a great quarterback, a pass-happy offense, and one of the best wide receivers in the NFL playing next to you. So you're not going to get double-teamed every play like you might if you go to the New York Giants or somewhere like that. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this episode. Again, thank you for bearing with me here on the audio side only. Hopefully the reverb isn't too bad in this room. It's been a fun vacation. I'm very much looking forward to getting back home late Monday night, though. Um, like I said, Tuesday morning taping our, our mock draft with Aaron. So things are going to be back to normal this week here. I'm talking Buffalo. I apologize for not having an episode last Friday. Just couldn't make it happen. But anyway, Wednesday starts the first of six weekly mock drafts with Aaron Quinn. And then live Thursday night, Imperial Pizza, 8 p.m. Matt Perino, Buffalo Bills beat reporter, will be with me. That'll drop in podcast form on Friday morning. Thank you again, folks. And I will uh, I'll talk to you soon. Take care.